Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. For Tim O'Malley of Irish Illustrated, Pete Sampson of The Athletic. I'm Tim Priester from Irish Illustrated, and you have tuned in to Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Monday, March 13th. A little bit of news breaking out of Notre Dame on Sunday. Not great news. Brandon Hillman, the exciting athlete that Notre Dame thought that they would be getting this summer, uh, has asked out of his national letter of intent for personal reasons. We'll get into that, but uh, Brandon Hillman will not be coming to Notre Dame this summer, and that's a blow because Notre Dame's safety situation is not good. He's a pretty exciting athlete. We'll get into that in a little bit, but uh, earlier in the week, uh, last Wednesday, we had an opportunity to meet with the two grad transfers, Sam Hartman and Caleb Smith, new assistant coaches Joe Rudolph and Gino Goduli, and then a couple of defensive players that we didn't catch from from uh, from two two or three weeks ago in, in Drake Bowen and Adon Schuler, and then the offensive freshman, Kenny Minchie, Jaden Greathouse, Rico Flores, James, or uh, Braylon James, and Sam Pendleton. Uh, Pete, I know you didn't have an opportunity to be there. Tim and I were there. Uh, Tim, let's start with you and tell us what you thought of uh, some of the guys we had an opportunity to speak with. Yeah, I, I bet you the uh, readers of Irish Illustrated will echo this, but Kenny Minchie, uh, obviously very impressive interview. Now, being an impressive interview is all that matters. Dane Christ also would have been Notre Dame's best football player in the last 15 years at quarterback, so that's not all there is. But, boy, Minchie was impressive. I enjoyed talking. I interviewed, to kind of paint a picture for people, we interview some and we talk to some briefly because they all are, most of them are out there at the same time. But I interviewed Great House, and that is a confident kid. I, I really enjoyed all three wide receivers, but that was my most in-depth interview was with Great House. He's a confident very confident player. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to, before we got to Pete, I wanted to, to point out that the videos that people see, we are not down there for those right. interview sessions. There are no, we cameras. see none of that actually until we watch it on. Right, exactly. so we, we see it. We see it when the uh, subscribers and Nordane fans see it. Um, you know, ours are, ours are a little bit more in depth. They're, they're longer. Um, and we get an opportunity to sit around a table and, and and talk to them a little bit. Pete, you had you had a chance to to read through the transcripts and see some of the the video. Your thoughts on on those guys? Yeah, I mean Hartman is uh, an adult male, and you know I think that definitely is striking. Um, he's not a college kid, and you know that I think that will benefit Notre Dame greatly in the fall. So I have talked to probably half of these kids that have come through. Um, I interviewed Caleb Smith's dad uh, a few weeks ago just to kind of prepare to write on him. And, you know, so the connections with Hartman both being committed to Wake Forest at one point um, was kind of interesting to me. They had kept in touch a little bit. Um, I do think like Great House in particular to play at that Austin, I think it was Westlake, right? Um, yeah. That's that's a college program in high school. Um, there are there are. Not many of those nationally, but that's one. So if you grew up catching passes from Cade Clubnick in high school and winning it, 
state championships in Texas. Um, really coming to Notre Dame shouldn't be too big for you. I think it's probably one of the reasons why when we, we talk to people around Notre Dame about who are the receivers who are going to make an impact first, Great House is mentioned every time. So um, I've never talked to Minchie. I've written about him and talked to his coaches and teammates in high school. Um, pretty mature, but like relaxed dude. Um, I think that how his career path goes is, are super interesting with all the quarterbacks they have. And Braylon James, I probably know the least about, but just watching his highlights, I might like the most. Um, you know, I know, I know he's got some room to grow in the weight room, but um, man, it's a, it's an impressive group. Um, and it's, I give props to Notre Dame for being a little bit more forward thinking with media access to these guys. Cause they're all prepared to, to talk and have conversations about football and themselves. And they, they do a good job of it. Yeah, you know, interviews are one thing, Tim, as as you said, but you know, Kenny Minchie, you know, I like when I was writing the story on him, and a lot of times you know that okay, you're you're the the printed word, how's it going to be interpreted? You know, and, and like when I'm reading his just the, the flat quotes, it sounds like really cocky, like I know that I'm that I'm this, but I, you know, I brought up to him, I mean, your, you know, your accuracy, and he knows it. And so, you know, an interview is one thing. It's the ability to go on the field and, and back it up. And I think Minchie has a chance to – a really good chance uh, skill-wise and from a maturity standpoint to hit the ground running. He's going to – I think he's very self-aware of what he doesn't know, which is extremely important. Um, but, you know, it'll be fun to see him a little bit, what we get to see of him this spring. Tim, Joe Rudolph, Gino Guaduli. I think we're going to enjoy talking to Joe Rudolph. Um, it's a little bit different than the previous offensive line coach who didn't didn't uh, necessarily embrace those interview situations. But I think Joe Rudolph is going to be a guy that we can uh, that that we can go to and 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 talk to and get some some pretty good conversations and feedback from him. Yeah, and I actually enjoyed talking to Harry Heastan. He just didn't enjoy talking to all of us. He usually gave us very good information. I agree. I agree Once a year, that. he gave us really good information. But uh, yeah, Rudolph, I uh, kind of wanted to get into after this, after the background, I want to ask him a little bit about his spring plans because he has two open spots. Um, I thought it was interesting. He's like, yeah, I had Patterson and Lug in my office recently. And oh, those guys are big. I was like, yeah, that would be nice to still have out there. But he, uh, he did mention, I kind of said, you looking for the, you know, five working together. He said it would be a disservice to the five best if we don't find a way to have the five best on the field. In other words, when spring's over, he wants to have his five best linemen out there. And there's really this two, you know, you have to be able to bend a little bit, of course, to positional needs, but there's two schools of thought. It's the five best working together as one set of eyes, or it's the five best players. And we need to make those five best players our starters. That sounds like he, what he is leaning to going into spring. And obviously things change during spring and summer, if, if some guys don't work great together, especially up front, but that was interesting. Most of the time guys will kind of defer from that. I mean, defer the question, like, you know, now we have to find good fits and it's all about working as one. He said it would be a disservice if we don't have our five best players out there to the fifth guy. In other words, if he's your backup, you're doing that kid a disservice. So are you saying that that's a little bit more of an authentic then uh, we're going to have a competition between Sam Hartman and Tyler Buckner and just the best man can win. Like, I understand you got to say that too if you're Gino Gadouli as the quarterbacks coach, but um, well, you have to say it for Tyler Buckner's sake too. That's the real yeah. key for that. That's a 
Yeah, no doubt. And I like Guduli too. And I, 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 the interview process with him and, uh, you know, I asked him about Desmond Ritter and he tried to deflect everything towards Desmond Ritter. And then I just kind of followed up like, okay, well, you obviously played a role with a guy that wasn't even ranked or was a low three star that was listed as an athlete coming out of high school. He eventually became a, a third round draft pick with a chance to start uh, in the fall. So um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I thought both made a very good first impression. I, based upon the Desmond Ritter development, I dare say that I think that Notre Dame's quarterback development could be in better, you know, better hands with, with good, good Dooley. We're going to find that out. You know, the play calling of, of Jared Parker obviously is going to play a role, but Guadule has a background in play calling. And so does Joe Rudolph. And so I think, you know, you don't want too many cooks in the, in the kitchen, as they say, but um you know, having that background with those three guys, I think is pretty important. I think having that many cooks in the kitchen from March to mid August is okay. I agree with you. Yeah. And then you have one and that, that, cause I think that's where all the ideas get bounced around. Maybe mid August is too late. I'm not, I I'm sure they, they start forming things a little earlier than we know in August, but yeah, I think now it's fine, especially, especially with Parker new in that role. It's, I was, yeah, I, the good, the good interview. I felt like I was talking to an offensive coordinator to keep reminding myself. Because I was about to ask him questions about, I, I had I started framing one about wide receivers and things. He's like, "I'm getting to know names first, man. I know names, and then I'll know their games." So that it was it, he really does. Yeah, it's kind of. I liked them both. I think it'll be a uh, it'll be a good spring and August interviews, and I think we'll be able to get um, good information about the players because first year coaches, once they've seen them play, I think we'll be open to talking about strengths, yeah. not necessarily weaknesses, but strengths of a lot of the guys. Yeah. I think, um, you know, most, I know most of our, our readers and Notre Dame listeners and followers that saw Sam Pendleton were, were extremely impressed with him. I'm not sure. Go ahead. I'm not sure. I did not. Here's, here's, this is kind of why I prefaced who I interviewed and who I spoke to and walked around with, with recorders. I did not spend much time with Sam Pendleton. And then I watched his interview and was like, man, I wish I spent more time with Sam Pendleton. Cause that was a really impressive kid on camera. I was, that was I couldn't believe he's a high school senior. A, th- a thoughtful, articulate offensive lineman. I'm, I'm glad I'm sitting down. Yeah, but remember <laughs> Alex Bars back then and and Quentin Nelson? They were nervous as heck when we were talking yeah. to him as freshmen. Like this, he was just seemed so ahead of his time. Yeah, he was running the show. There, <laughs> there's yeah. no doubt. And I, you know, I don't. It's impossible not to form impressions. Now I know a lot of guys in the recruiting part. We don't, Tim. You and I we don't talk to recruits. I mean, we end up evaluating them and talking to some other people about them more than right. we actually talk right. to the recruit. And I just didn't, I guess I didn't expect Sam Pendleton um, to run the show quite like he did. So that's, that's impressive, but yeah, offensive linemen, generally speaking, tend to be pretty impressive. And uh, it was a good group. It was fun. We'll have more opportunities coming up when spring practice starts on on uh, uh, Wednesday, March 22nd. I very quickly wanted to bring up what Greathouse said about the other receivers, and then we pressed him on himself. Uh, he said, you know, James is legit fast, and he said something a lot of people will find odd because this doesn't happen often, I don't think. He said he is beating the veterans in sprints, alluding to the point freshmen don't often beat veterans in sprints, which is why people were kind of up in arms last year about Jalen Steed not being the fastest guy. 
when they're 17 years old, they're not supposed to beat the fastest 22 year old in sprints, but Braylon James was doing it Uh, of Flores. He said, and everybody can relate to this. If you like Flores, like I did on film, he's like, I don't know what it is, but he's a dog. (laughs) In other words, like I can't tell you about himself. He goes, it's not catch radius. It's not speed. It's he just, that dude does it. Um, That's what I kind of saw in Flores. And then about great house. When I pressed him, I was like, you know, what can Notre Dame fans expect to see out of you? Like touchdowns. Wow. That's awesome. Ah. <laughs> That's good. Since our last podcast last Monday, Marty Biaggi has officially been named Notre Dame's uh, special teams coach for better or for worse, according to, to some. And, and I get that, you know, I don't, we're, he, they, they struggled at Mississippi last year. Uh, and Notre Dame did not struggle. Notre Dame did not. And there, and there were, there have been, uh, you know, some potholes along the way with some of Biagi's stats, but he's also done some good things. So let's be open-minded. I'm trying to be open-minded. You know, I think that, I think there's a tendency like when a, from our perspective, like when a coach makes a decision, I think we try to understand like, so why did Marcus Freeman choose Marty Biagi? Okay. So you try to look at, you try to look at both sides. You try to look at assets and, and, and come to a determination as to why he chose him. Many people on the outside would would rather second guess it first, and and I and I get that because we're coming from different perspectives. But Marcus Freeman chose him and went right to him as soon as Brian Mason walked out the door. So uh, there's something that the Notre Dame head coach likes in Marty Biagi, and I think that there there's some things in his track record that are pretty impressive too. I think it's fair to say too that um in when he left Notre Dame, this is six, seven years ago, seven seasons ago, we thought Marty Biaggi was a possible hire back then. That's, it's just you had to you had to gut that whole situation. That's why he couldn't be hired as an analyst. Right. Right. All right, we're gonna wrap up with it. You know what? Let's wrap up. We got the NCAA tournament starting this week. Who do you like? Um, not sure about Houston because of Sasser's injury. He was on there. Uh, you know who I like that I did not like a week ago, so I'm probably wrong about this. And I put a little uh, $10 to win 400 in there is uh, the Duke Blue Devils after watching them play. And they're all healthy now. When they're healthy, they are 17 and one when they have all their pieces intact. So I'd like to see how they can. And I think they can match up with uh, Purdue. They're a plucky Duke Blue Devil yeah. team. That's always good. Um, I would, I'd take. I don't know anybody but Alabama. Um, that would be that'd be fine with me. But um, I don't. Yeah, I haven't. Um, I feel like Duke is going to be a trendy pick. Um, I like I like UCLA a lot. Yeah, I like um, the West Coast teams this year and UCLA and uh, and you can't go wrong with the Big Twelve pick, right? No, not really. No, I, I do so. like you. I do like UCLA a lot. I, well, I had. How bad is Sasser, by the way, Tim? Do you know? No, I don't. Um, that's what we have to find out in the next couple. Uh, because next couple I because yeah. that was Houston was definitely my pick. Yeah. Prior to that happening, because I mean, first of all, they're held basketball team, and they have a national championship level head coach. Right. So, I think that gives them a pretty good shot. We'll be back segment two, burning up the boards. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. 
you rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Segment two, burning up the boards. Our first question is from Ville Irish, and it is on topic with one from Irish John M as well. Let's start off with Ville Irish. Why does it feel like the university is throwing every barrier possible at Marcus Freeman? after he spent his first year as head coach embracing and promoting Notre Dame, unlike any other coach over the last three decades? It's a good question. Uh, John Irish John says, if the departure of Hillman is solely an academics issue, is it, it is truly a shame that the administration is unwilling to give a good kid like this a hand up so he could enroll and improve himself academically like others have done in the past? Uh, wow. Well, there, there are suppositions being made about, being made about things that I don't, I mean, we don't know exactly what the situation is right now academically. Um, we are assuming that there is an academic issue. And like, you know, to say that the, the administration won't give a kid a break, if he doesn't have the right classes to, to graduate and get into Notre Dame, like I know, we, I know as, a, as a group we look at this differently now but there have there have to be guidelines that you follow. You, you just can't you can't erase the guidelines to fit your situation. No, and we're we're assuming that Notre Dame is the barrier rather than Hillman. Yeah, which, which, which I guess is not is maybe uh, one and the same in this. Instance, yeah, or? but I you know I think we talked about a little about this prior. I'll let you guys chime in if you want to on it because that was off the air. But I would assume Notre Dame admissions after admitting Hillman not admitting but allowing him to be in the class and giving a clearance go ahead tried to get Hillman in in every way they possibly could again I am assuming because you don't want this to happen to your program or your school publicly in March I don't think admissions was like oh sorry he didn't do it I assume they don't want to do it to Brandon Hillman either they don't want to do it to Brandon Hillman they don't want to do it to themselves they don't want to do this to anyone I I assume they made an effort I don't think it would be Brandon Hillman's guidance counselor that screwed up because then I assume Notre Dame would work with them to, to to right that wrong I assume Hillman has a part in this however I am also assuming that just like other people are assuming it's admissions so it might be wrong of me to assume it's all Brandon Hillman it worked out for 85 other guys. Yes. So Notre Dame's admissions worked just fine for every other player on the team. Um, which Who is the last player this happened to? So I, this isn't, this is a player that ultimately didn't come to Notre Dame, but I sort of have this um, on background. Uh, it, it was a four-star defensive prospect. Notre Dame liked him a lot. They recruited the hell out of him. Um he did not have the foreign language credit to get in. Um, that is a sticking point for some for that, he that's said a point for people. They, he wanted um, try to have sign language be his foreign language, and Notre Dame's like, no, you actually have to take a foreign language. And the kid said, no, this is this is my foreign language. And Notre Dame said, well, I don't know. Like we just told you what you have to do to get in. You're choosing not to do it. He didn't get in. He went to the other school. Um, that happens. Like I think Notre Dame is, I think, very clear about what's required to get into Notre Dame. I think they already like they make a lot. There's a lot of leeway to get kids into school at Notre Dame um, if you're a very talented athlete, and that's great. That's a positive. Um, but I think they they have you have to meet them 
at some point on the spectrum. I don't know if that's a halfway, a quarter of the way, three quarters of the way, whatever fraction you want to put on it. But you got to you got to be part of the solution, too. And that Pete Sampson is telling everybody that's why the Bosa brothers did not go to Notre Dame. Thank you, Pete, <laughs> yes. for that. That is the hidden name right there. And we can just kidding. That is not that's not the case. It's definitely not them. You know, Notre Dame brought in Thomas Harper from Oklahoma State, listed as a safety, but realistically, he's probably a nickel. So that doesn't that doesn't solve Notre Dame's issues on the back end. DJ Brown back for a six-year. Doesn't solve the issue on the back end either. Doesn't solve it. Doesn't solve the issue, but I mean, th- yeah, they sure needed that six-year senior to yeah. come back. Um, you know, at at the very worst, he's a he's a reliable, steady player. Is he a is he a difference maker? He has been up to this point. You need Xavier Watts and Ramon Henderson to come of age, and I think I think Xavier Watts is about to. And they need they need Ramon Henderson yeah. to come of age. And then you're in a then you're in a pretty decent situation if that actually happens, but you don't have a whole lot of leeway injury wise. Uh, you have a Don Schuler coming off shoulder surgery, Ben Minnick, who's a little guy. We saw him a couple weeks ago. They have to pursue a great a, a transfer. Thomas Harper, though, is a reserve safety while being a possible starting nickel. That helps a little bit. You know, he he can play some safety. And you can have another nickel at times. I know that's not ideal because you want him to be your nickel in, in certain nickel situations, but at least he's a, uh, I mean, that's what Henderson did last year, right? Henderson was a reserve safety and a reserve nickel. Mm-hmm. Harper can be a yeah. starting nickel and a reserve safety, I suppose. Yeah. It's, I mean, the issue, like there are multiples here, but like at the top with Brown, Harper, Watts, Henderson, you have four seniors or older, um, which is fine. The problem beyond that is you don't have anybody in your junior class. You don't have anybody in your sophomore class. In your freshman class, you don't have Peyton Bowen or Brandon Hillman um, at a position where you're hoping to sign three and a half, and you just ended up with two. So it, uh, I don't know if they'll I – w- I would disagree that they need to take a grad transfer now, but a year from now, they probably need to take two grad transfers. Boy, we don't know the situation with Justin uh, Walters. Um, yeah. Yeah, I should include him as well, but just has not played. Or not, that's, you know, I mean, I'm just well, saying. He's not the answer either. If we're calling no, TJ Brown no, not the he's answer, not. he's I, not the answer. He's not. I'm, I'm saying that from yeah. a number situation with regard to a to a transfer. Yeah, we were talking about them getting a transfer at safety before the Brandon Hillman stuff right. came up. So it, it, it may be it may be necessary. Question from Terry Benedict. Rate these in order of performance. Nordame needs to do better at N. NIL and Nordame needs to do better in undergrad transfers. What are they closer to achieving? I know Notre Dame needs to do better with undergrad transfers. So that is where I rate that. I think Notre Dame is doing well in NIL and it's not publicized very well. I think that transfers is probably where they need to make the most headway, but NIL is where they are making the most headway. Um, I think in the last couple months, the progress Notre Dame has made quietly on NIL um, has been significant. Yeah, I would agree. I don't have anything to dis- disagree with there. I mean, the undergrad transfers we knew was going to be a sticking point. People continue to quote you, Pete Sampson, about, uh, I think you said, a come to Jesus meeting about undergrad transfers. In fact, we've had that question submitted a few times. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and answer that right now? I don't think that meeting's happened yet. I don't, Still, think, uh, I don't think so either. 
Do you think we should reiterate what we heard about a month ago and put it on our podcast? Why it's hard to get undergrad transfers in? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, do that, Tim. Please. Because remember, you and I, Tim, you and I kind of disagreed on a podcast. You said basketball is very hard. I was like, how is basketball very hard? They just got 10 undergrad transfers in in, in 20 years. Then we heard the great point. That. Yes, that was pre 2000, whatever, 19, when they waived the transfer to 2020, I guess it was 2020 when they waived the one year waiting period for transfers. So in other words, when they got Ben Hansborough and Scott Martin and Ryan Humphrey and Lattimore and all those other guys, those guys came in. And if their credits did not match up perfectly for Notre Dame, they had one full year at Notre Dame academically to make it all work so they could qualify to play mm. athletically. That is no longer the case. People can transfer in any time they want and no one is going to want to wait a year to make something match. So Pete Sampson's come to Jesus moment is going to have to happen because otherwise yep. I see the obvious roadblock. Well, I know that when Cormac Ryan was trying to transfer into Notre Dame, he was having difficulty. <laughs> he was having difficulty having some of his credits transferred to Notre Dame. And I know the athletic department said, say his school, say his school. Stanford, this is a Stanford student athlete. <laughs> Samford? He went to Samford, Samford? right? Samford. No, no. Stanford. Stanford with a T. And and um, oh. and eventually I think that they were able to get most, if not all, of those credits to transfer. But again, it's Tim. He sat out a year. He sat out a year. He sat out a year. Trey so. Words did not from Santa Clara because of the COVID ruling that it made everybody eligible. They had to appeal that a thousand times. Right. Amazing. So, um, yeah, undergrad transfers, regardless of sport at Notre Dame, it's uh, still uh, waiting for that come to Jesus uh, <laughs> meeting. Question from AMP36. If the Tyler Butner odds on where he plays football uh, in 2024 were Notre Dame plus 115 versus the field at minus 150, where would you put your money? This is a good question for O'Malley. You know where my money goes on transfers. I will take the field for 90% of the players you throw out me that. Be say a name right now. Field. That's the answer. <laughs> yeah, the field. No, right? I mean, not like Joe Alt, but then field is NFL. So yeah, no, I would say the field. Uh, you could change those odds any way you want because and I've I've talked to people that some people that are very well connected at Notre Dame, and they were surprised I put in a story or Monday musings that I, you know. Buckner has to stick it out. He, I hope, I think if he does, he can be rewarded, and I, but it's hard to stick it out, man. It, it, he might stick it out. I think you should stick it out. First of all, because Sam Hartman is a broken ankle away from Tyler Buckner being the starting quarterback, obviously, just like Drew Pine stuck it out, man. After the year's over, it is hard to tell Tyler Buckner you're sitting until you're a true senior. Pete, what do you think? I think he'll be here and he'll be Notre Dame starting quarterback in 24. I think I tend to think that way as well, but and, and largely because of who Tyler Buckner is, and I think the kind of decisions that he and his family will make. Not that I know them that well to to determine that, but I do. As we sit here right now, that is that's my sense. That it's like where would he go, and what would be the upside of going there? Unless unless you're saying he's going to pack up and leave like now. Well, I have from now until the start of the 2024 season for this wager. No, I'm just saying once Hartman leaves after this year, it's your job. 
So at that point, leaving like you're you'd be transferring out of a starting job, which doesn't leave make at any the sense. end of spring. He could leave at the end of spring. Leave at the end of spring. He could leave in the middle of the season when he doesn't play a single down. He could leave if he doesn't play a single down. He could leave at the like, end of the year well, like Drew Pine did. But don't you feel like as soon as he gets through this season, I don't. Or, I'm feel sorry, that, this I don't spring. feel that way. I don't All feel right. that way. Yeah. So he would. I I I don't understand why he would leave after this season wraps up. Like just as soon as Hartman departs. Like if you're if as long as they get through the spring with him, then I think they'll be good. Yeah, I think I I think it's more of a question of leaving in the spring, after the spring. I just think a lot well, happens then, in nine months. That's why that's where my yeah. answer goes. No, and then he, you know, I mean, if he left after the spring, he'd walk into a situation where, who's, what, I mean, you're going to step into the starting lineup somewhere else without having been there. In the well, what if Sam Hartman's Sam Hartman's equivalent's available next year and see Sam Hartman? Guy Notre Dame to a 12 and one record and says, man, I'd like to go to Notre Dame and throw to those young receivers. Well, Oh yeah. Then, well, that's also a thing. We didn't know Sam Hartman was going to be starting for (laughs) quarterback at Notre Dame this point last year. This is a new world. And I think Kenny Minchie, who knows? I mean, he may just be accurate enough, which we think he's really accurate and mature enough to, to be ready to ascend. I don't, we don't know. Uh, But it's a good question. And O'Malley's taking that uh, minus one fifty. I like I, I, I mean, I'm glad they have Sam Hartman. I was really Sam Hartman was already coming to Notre Dame at this point, but I really enjoyed watching Tyler Buckner, despite the miserable two plays, fight through that Gator Bowl. And I think Tyler Buckner would have been a good starting quarterback for Notre Dame this year. However, you have to take Sam Hartman. I'm not well, right. course, but I'll argue about, that. Think about the entire world's perspective on Tyler <laughs> Buckner without the Gator Bowl. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I think Tyler Buckner's perspective would be different without the Gator Bowl, don't you? Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. We have a question from the Free Dirt. We actually have three, and I'm going to go one at a time. Uh, starting with, name a young player who likely won't play significant minutes in the fall. Who are you? Who you are the most interested to watch this spring? So you don't think he's going to play this fall, but he's going to be somebody to keep an eye on this spring. That's a good question. Uh, well, it's, there's a lot of freshmen, so we want to try to get freshmen out of this equation because, I mean, Flores and uh, James are guys I don't think will play much. But I think I'm really interested to watch. Uh, yeah, if we remove all freshmen, um, Joshua Burnham would be one for me. See where he is coming along. And then I think Chan and Wagner obviously will not play much. So they would be on that list. I mean, there's about 20 freshmen, you could say. So we could keep them out of it. Yeah, I was just looking at freshmen. Pete, who, who do you have? Uh, oh, sorry, I was just getting sucked into J.J. Starling in the transfer portal. Um it uh did you just say that jj starling's in the transfer? i just said that yeah um maybe we could add a question at at the end of the segment um you know i'm not sure i it's like with the somebody at the receiver position um you know that but i'm not sure who i would go with because it's like it's almost, I, I do like the fact that Notre Dame is at a point now with their receiver room that somebody will be good. There's going to be like sort of a cream rises to the top element, which I didn't think existed last year. So, you know, whether that is Merriweather or Colsey or Great House, um, I just think somebody, somebody's going to emerge at the top of that group coming out of spring who will have a chance to contribute in a meaningful way in the fall. Yeah. Um... 
Merriweather has to contribute in a meeting with oh, yeah. full yeah. baseball, right? You know, here's the thing, and then we have another question. I don't want to step on on that narrative here, but yeah, Lorenzo Styles, Tobias Merriweather, Deion Colsey, Jaden Thomas, Caleb Smith. I mean, those are five guys that are going to play. They're they are at the forefront. So, you know, how much room is there? Salerno will play in packages. Salerno, too. I keep I keep doing that and I keep, yeah. Salerno will play too. Um, so that's six guys. Yeah. So, you know, guys that you, I mean, we expect Merriweather to continue to develop. We expect, I don't know how high <laughs> the ceiling is on Colsey really, but he made huge strides last year. Uh, my point being the great house, James Flores, again, I want to save some commentary for a later question, but um, it's, it's going to be, Harder for a freshman to play this year than last year, right? Because you do have those six guys. Should be. Yeah, yeah. The, he, it should have been possible. It should have. Yeah. It should have happened. I'll just keep saying. I want to see. I want to see Jay Nosbury on the practice field. No, I definitely want to see Kenny Minchie, and can he continue to be as accurate as we think he is? As the the windows, you know, they tighten up considerably from what he had to deal with in high school. Those are, those are two guys that come to mind for me. The second question from the Friedert is player who has a chance to make a jump to contributor this fall that you're most interested to watch this spring. Merriweather's the easy one. That's, that's where I put Burnham. I put Burnham in that, in that. Mm. I'd like yeah. to see that from Burnham. Yeah. For me, Jadarian Price. I mean, a healthy Jadarian yeah. Price. That's a great one. Uh, I'm probably as interest, interested to see him as anybody this spring. You're talking about Jadarian Price? Yeah. Yeah, he would be up there. I mean, I really, I know Jalen Seed made some plays toward the end of the year, but like, I'd like, you know, give me some consistent. I know we only have yeah. one full practice, but some consistent good stuff from him um, opposed to just like a flash here or there. So something that I would say, like, we got to find a way to get him on the field. I agree. And that's why I want to see what he looks like physically as a yeah. starts. Prince Collie's a good answer here. Yeah. Collie's a good, a good one too. Um, yeah. We're, I think we're going to see a noticeable difference in Jalen Sneed's appearance. I think we, we, hell we did last fall. Yes. He was from small. He, he was small. He came in. Yeah. 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 He was and so small, we wrote him off correctly going into the season. And everybody was asking us why Jalen Sneed's on the scout team. And we wanted to say, well, he was 196 pounds, 197 pounds when we last saw him. He's 223 as of the bowl, 222 maybe as of the bowl. That is a major jump. Where do you think Raritan's going to be? He he recovered so well from his first ACL. So it happened in um, October. Yeah, boy, that he's not going to. I mean, they're not gonna put. They're not gonna push that this spring. Um, you know, Billy. I, everybody wants to see Billy Shroud. I want. I want to see what Howard Cross is is talking about. Yeah, what he was talking <laughs> about at the end of last year when he just absolutely gushed <clears throat> about Billy Shroud. I feel like I'm I'm to the point that I've almost baked in Billy Shroud as a quality starting guard into <laughs> how I see yeah. next season he playing no out. Good, he's just played no snaps. I'm just like they're, he's totally fine. Like, don't worry. I'm not worried about right guard at all. Like. That guy's a stud. He hasn't played, but I'm fine. I'm I'm good with it. How about player who has a chance to go from contributor to contributor 
to star that you're most interested to watch this spring? This is a hard question because I just went over the whole roster. Contributor to star. Riley Mills. That's, that's who they need to be. That's who they that's who need. It was last year, too. That's why I didn't I, say him. I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna, going to say Xavier Watts. They uh, need gonna, to be, yeah. and I think that he could be ready. I'm going to say Mitchell Evans. Star. I mean, standout tight end. Yeah. Think about, think about, the, think about the thoughts about, uh, about Jaden Mickey at the end of last spring. I mean, right. I don't know. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say that I think Jaden Mickey is going to ascend to star level, but he certainly could ascend to the level that, that had the coaching staff really, really excited yeah. a year ago yeah. this time. Again, it would really, really be nice if it's much ne- it's needed. He falls under a old uh, podcast adage where once the new freshmen come in, we forget about the red shirt freshmen. So you, if you loved a guy last year at this time, you yeah. should love him now, even well, though he didn't true. play. So Burnham, Burnham's one. Right. And they like Mickey at, at yeah. nickel. If, if Mickey gave you the flexibility with Harper to play some safety, right, that would be huge. So those are some of the guys that, that come to mind uh, for me and Merriweather, you know, we know Merriweather's upside is high. Again, I don't know that he's ready to be a star, but he could be ready to, to really emerge now that he had the experience of his freshman season. Next from Denver Maximus, besides the obvious addition of Hartman, what excites you the most about the wide receiver room in the passing game headed into the fall with a passing game that could finally or potentially make defenses respect the pass? How much better can the run game be? The size. I think we've been talking about that all along. Nordane has great size at receiver. I think you can do some great things with Sam Hartman throwing those back shoulder throws. And then the depth. If, if, if great house James and Flores are, your third teamers and you don't necessarily need them to emerge, um, you know, right away. That's, that's some pretty impressive depth to have, which it's been a while since we've, we've said oh something. My gosh, like it's been, you can't before. even. Yeah. What, 2015. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'd be great. Certainly Pete, to your point, it'd be great if one of those three, Jaden Greathouse stepped forward and says, you know, you have to put me on the field. Yeah. Um, and not Matt Salerno. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, it's I I will be interested to see if they can lean into that. I not saying they need to do uh 10 personnel, but um it's been a while since Notre Dame's third receiver has been like a real threat to do something in the passing game. You know, it's been more of like a blocker, or they just take him out and put a second tight end in. Like it was 18. Chris, Finch I'd like was, to see that. Yeah. Um yeah. like Get to a point where your third receiver is a threat, like you actually have to respect him in in coverage. So that's that's what I would like to see most. I know he was a scholarship player for a while, but I just pointed out it was 2018, and it was a uh, ex walk on that was that third threat yeah. that had to be accounted for. Which is nothing against Chris Fink; he was a legitimate third yeah. receiver in college. But yeah, you know, you could have maybe recruited better than that too. So here's one: I want to finish this question with this question for you guys. If Lorenzo Styles emerges to be almost as good as we thought he was going to be last year, then you don't need one of those freshmen as much to make an impact. No, because Lorenzo Style will still have 1,200 yards. Yes. So Styles, I think, is the key to what happens with the freshmen. One of the freshmen is kind of blocked by Styles' development. I think that's a good point. And I think, you know, I mean, I expect Styles to come around. (laughs) I mean, 
Yeah. I, I don't understand what happened last year. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing last year. It took uh, a while. We, we kept saying after like game six, why does he keep dropping the ball until we realized maybe we should expect this to happen. But yeah, yeah. I expect a bounce back. I mean, if he, again, if he's both feet in. Right. And I, you know, I think that's a, I think that's a legitimate question to ask if he's both feet in. I think you can build upon what he was as a freshman. Question uh, from Penny Cowers. How do you expect Parker's, Jared Parker's philosophy combined with Freeman's on playing true freshman skill position players to differ or not from Brian Kelly, Tommy Reese's philosophy uh, when it was nearly impossible for freshmen to see the field? Uh, Jordan Johnson has got major reps this year with Jared Parker. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be incredible. I mean, Marcus Freeman was the coach last year. Let's. No, blame Brian Kelly. Come on. Yeah. Well, Lorenzo Styles played like the last, played an integral role the last nine games of the season two years ago. And that was because of bad receiver him. recruiting, but he did. Um, yeah. Come on. Chris, Chris Tyree played. Chris Tyree played an integral role as a freshman. Tobias Merriweather, I am I am with everybody. He should have played more than he did. They should have found a way. But as Pete said, it's more important for the freshman to meet the coaches further than halfway than the coach funny, to go find yeah. the freshman. And he had the concussion. I, yeah. You know. yeah. Yeah. Did uh did did Mayer get any reps as a freshman? I can't remember. I don't think he technically started though, Pete. Does that count for anything? Oh, okay. I just don't yeah. I, I don't I don't buy into the the narrative of the of the question because I I, I it, it's not we're not going to play these freshmen. It's that freshman's not ready to play. That's they're not they're not making a decision because he's a freshman. It's because they're freshmen that aren't ready to play. And we do have examples of freshmen that have played at receiver and tight end. Kevin Stepperson played as a freshman as a pure raw talent freshman. Now he, he enrolled early. Um, and so did these three Tobias Merriweather did not enroll early. In fact, when I was doing the great house story, I wrote, I wrote stories on all three uh, freshman receivers over the past three days, Pete Sampson, if you want to catch up there, but um, the freshmen that have played in the last, we'll go back to the Brian Kelly era enrolled early. Corey Robinson enrolled early played a pretty good relief role as a freshman. Kevin Stefferson enrolled early, beat out veterans, and was a secondary receiver to EQ as a freshman. He ended up being the best receiver, really. TJ Jones started as a freshman. Tobias Merriweather did not enroll early. I assume that did not help him, because last year they had five receivers at one point in the spring, four receivers when Wilkins went down. There were not Matt Salerno on scholarship. So that would have helped Tobias Merriweather to enroll early. These three enrolled early. You can get in. You, you can you can make an impression and get in, but as Priester pointed out, it's harder at wide receiver this year because they're six deep right now. Yeah, it, it just on the surface, it will be a little bit more difficult um, this fall. Question from CMU Pens fan. What one thing do you think Sam Hartman will do better this year than Tyler Buckner would be able to do? All throwing. Everything about throwing. Deep downfield, mid-range, and uh, actually, I shouldn't say screen game. I don't know that to be a fact because Buckner looks like a pretty athletic guy on that uh, on those little flip pass screen games. He looked really good in the Gator Bowl doing that. Yeah, but anything that's the, downfield. Yeah, pushing the ball vertically, throwing guys open, um, you know, throwing to spaces instead of throwing to the man. Um, all all stuff that a 24 year old quarterback with right. 110 career touchdown passes probably and 13,000 passing yards should probably be able to do. 
pure accuracy. I, I, I you know, yeah. I just, when you, when you throw the ball downfield as much as Hartman does, there are going to be periods of time where, you know, your, your individual games and stuff where your uh, completion percentage is going to, to wane a little bit, but I, you know, you listen to Caleb Smith talk about catching passes from Sam Hartman, the deep ball. He says he's as accurate as the guy as he's, he's had throw footballs to him. And that includes, um, who am I, who am I thinking of? Hendon Hooker? Yeah. And, that yeah. Includes, and he said, yeah, that's who he said, including, including him. So, I mean, I just think, yeah, all things, all yeah. things going to football. He's just, he's just more accurate, you know, and I'm not saying Buckner can't get there, but we haven't seen him get there yet on the field. I really liked what I saw from Tyler Buckner as a running weapon in that Gator Bowl too. Uh, but I just, they brought in a better quarterback right now. I, yeah. I, I like Tyler Buckner. I would have been fine with going with Tyler Buckner as long as, but I get why they didn't. They found a better quarterback for the, for the season. Yeah. Tim, go ahead. Laker dude four. any word on who Notre Dame has talked to for men's basketball's head coaching job. I mean, I, I realize this is getting boring, but it's, it, the names are generally the same. I, you know, I, I'm wondering if Micah Shrewsbury's run through the big 10 tournament to the championship game is to Notre Dame's detriment. Uh, if he looks at might look at that Penn state situation and say, you know what, we got something going on here, but I, you know, I think if I had to pick one that it's going to be right now, it would be him. He's an Indiana native. He's coached until he went to, until he went to the Celtics and then Penn state, all of his other coaching stops were in the state of Indiana. And I know Notre Dame likes him a lot. And if he feels the same way about Notre Dame, I think that he, has an excellent chance to be Notre Dame's next head coach. Aaron DeVries from Drake, also in the NCAA tournament. Pat Kelsey from Charleston, also in the NCAA tournament. Um, I think that these are still the leading candidates. One of our subscribers has talked about the K.O. Siddle from UNC Wilmington. He's 49 and 18 in two years in the last two years there. I think he's an excellent candidate. So some of the games to keep an eye on. You know, Kelsey Charleston's a 12 seed. They're playing San Diego State Thursday afternoon. Drake is a 12 seed with DeVries. They're playing Miami, a five seed Friday night. Shrewsbury at Penn State is playing Texas A&M, a seven seed, which we find really hard to believe that Texas A&M's a seven seed. Uh, that's late Thursday night. And then Colgate, uh, where, where your guy, Pete, Matt Lengel, who's done a tremendous job there, they play Texas a two seed Thursday night. Yeah, it's Notre Dame. I think we can agree. Like Notre Dame's next men's basketball coach will be working this weekend, and so yeah. probably unavailable to take the job until Monday morning. And at that at that point, all right, the sort of due diligence should be done. Contract stuff should be done in terms of like, okay, here's here's what we can agree on, and then they can move forward because man. The transfer portal open for men's basketball today. Um, JJ Starling is in it, and that makes the Notre Dame that makes the Notre Dame job worse. So it's it's a tougher job when your McDonald's All American combo guard 
could be the face of the program may not be a part of it. Yeah, I would hope that, you know, I mean, that, that it's not a surprise he's in the portal no. and that's fine. <clears throat> Just would hope that he will be patient enough and open-minded enough to still consider Notre Dame, you know, I mean. Once they have a coach. Yeah, I mean. Like next week, some, right? Some yeah. Guys, that, yeah, this is where guys, time is of the essence to me. Right. Some guys enter the portal and he's gone already. You would hope that Notre Dame is still an option for J.J. Starling. I don't know that because Sampson just told me 10 minutes ago that he was he's in the portal. So I don't know that right now. Uh, Siddle is not in the NCAA tournament. I don't know. Uh, McCormick 88 is our subscriber that has suggested him. His background is very impressive, mid-30s. I don't know if, if Notre Dame has contacted him or not, but everybody else that you guys are talking about, yeah, they're playing this week. Uh, couple, three of them starting Thursday and one of them Friday. Last question, ND Fan 8 Over under when Notre Dame men's basketball next makes the NCAA tournament. He says that it 2027 and a half, which is in the spirit of over-unders. It's, that would be January. Just kidding. So would you take the under, which would be the next four years, 24, 25, 26, 27 is four years or after that? So 2020, uh, you have to wait till the year five is what this question right. is actually asking. You know, I, I, I commented last week's Thursday thoughts that this is, this is going to take several years. And the comment in return was, it's basketball. You only need two or three guys. And I, and I get that philosophy, but the problem is JJ Starling's in the portal Two your three guys that you had signed yeah. coming in are gone. We don't know what Van Allen Lubin is going to do. So my point is it's, well, first of all, you're not going to, you're, well, you're going to get two or three standout players that are going to carry you to the NCAA tournament right now. The roster the composition of the roster is a disaster right now. So I think it just take, you know, you can't say a couple years. I think it might just, it might take a couple years just to get your roster right. Yeah. It's, it's a long haul. This is a long haul job. Um, Notre Dame has unfortunately allowed itself to get in this position, um, but now they have to, they have to live with it. So I, I don't, 2028 is forever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm the other way. But O'Malley, I, you're covering all home games. Yeah. You you, you think they're not so O'Malley, you're saying they're not gonna make it before no, I think they're going to make it before 2028. Okay. Um, I agree with that, yeah. but I'm I, but I'm just not quite sure how I couldn't I, explain I, to you how it's gonna happen. I just think it's going to. I think I can explain how it's gonna happen. JJ Starling does not affect 2025, I don't think, because if he stayed at Notre Dame, he would have left anyway before 2025 to try to go pro because that's what kids do as soon as they can strike. Um he certainly wouldn't be here in 2026 if he's any good. Lubin is huge to keep, Campbell is huge to keep. The rest of the roster makeup is for next year. They're not going to the NCAA tournament next year. So whatever else is on the roster next year is totally irrelevant. I hope they keep them all. They all can leave. It doesn't matter. Notre Dame needs grad transfers multiple years in a row. And I don't know why with recruiting and grad transfers, you can't make the NCAA tournament in 2026 in year three of a good coach. They hire a coach that's not a good coach. He's not going to make the NCAA tournament because he doesn't have anything. But you can bring in grad transfer. You can bring in grad transfers every year, a couple and keep recruiting. You should bring in five recruits each year. Let them transfer out when they're not good or don't like it. 
that a good coach can get during the tournament in three seasons, don't you think? I agree. Yeah. I, I would right now I would say right now I would say four. And I get where you're coming from with a good coach. I just think the situation is very extreme. Now, part of part of my issue in envisioning it is that I'm looking at recruiting through the lens that we've been looking at, we've been looking through in recent years. I you're right. The ability to bring in four and five guys, I think improves dramatically with Mike Bray's departure. Yes. Uh, grad transfers should want to come to Notre Dame for a couple of years here. This is, this is an automatic, automatic situation. Not uh, next year's tough. Cause you're looking at a non NCAA tournament situation. So your grad transfers might not be the grant facility range. I like to bring that name up on every podcast from now on, but in two years, you should be thinking, all right, we've built a little stuff. I know the new coach, man, they really fought to win eight games in the ACC. I can go there and lead them to the NCAA tournament next year. I don't know who you attract that can get you to the NCAA tournament because it's a gamble to be, to come to Notre Dame right now, unless you have two years left guys with two years left can come to Notre Dame as grad transfers, which is plenty of them because 2020 doesn't count. Right. Oh, and Robbie Carmody is in the transfer portal as well. I, you know, it's really bad for him for his career because it's this, I was about to say, it seems like a long time ago, but it was a half a decade ago that Robbie Carmody uh, looked like a real player when he got hurt the second time when he hurt his knee. Yeah. Remember Robbie Carmody kind of emerged there in December and all of a sudden you knew injury number two was just too much. He played too hard. He's like, he's like Thomas Harper. He may play too hard for his, for his frame. body to, his get, body. His body to be able to. That's take. what we need to do is tell Mike Bray's guys to quit playing so hard on both ends of the floor. <laughs> No, I think you don't. I don't think you should. Uh, I don't think you should say that. But it's going to take a while, no doubt about it. With the NCAA tournament starting this week, it'll be fun. We're looking forward to it, and we will be back uh, Monday, March twentieth. And at that point, we will be two days away from the start of spring drills. We're looking forward to it. We appreciate you joining us today. This has been Irish Illustrated Insider. This is Mike Brown former Notre Dame Leprechaun, here to share the Leprechaun's Game Day at Notre Dame, an officially licensed children's book that celebrates the magic of a football Saturday at Notre Dame. Follow me on an adventure from Step Off Under the Golden Dome to ND Stadium with this perfect gift for fighting Irish fans. Visit www.lepgameday.com and enter Irish to get your author signed copy today. Go Irish!